0: Primero de Mayo Oh yeah We here today We here today You thought I was going to let that go down without Saying something Without paying homage To the OG You saw that pic I put up on Twitter It's floating around now but you see that pic He was on the block. He was in little Haiti. I ain't done yet, though. Yeah. Fair use, by the way. Fair use. Get my Kevin Samuels on. Fair use. He was talking to us without even talking to us. You hear these beats, though? Catch the beginning. Right there. Now let's go back. You catch it? I don't know. Yeah, I should be catching it. Wait a minute. Let me speed it up for y'all. And I know some of them podcast equipment, they be trying to advertise that they could do this. And people spend a lot of money on the podcast equipment so that they could do this, but they can't do this. Because this ain't a podcast mixer. (laughs) Oh, but they dropping big bread though. They dropping big bread though. Salute to them for having all that disposable income. Salute to them. Oh, man. Fair use. Fair use. We paying homage. The OG has left us, but the legacy will live on. If you know, you know. If you don't know, then just bear with me. I like to give flowers. I gave flowers before when he was living. And we're still giving him his flowers now. So, we are here. We are here. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. There's only one way to start this off today to pay proper homage. So we're just going to go ahead and get into that. Hey, Hey, yo! Now that that's over. The Miami Heat, Heat culture, beefing with each other. <laughs> UD about to throw hands at Jimmy. Jimmy Buckets about to get hands thrown on him by not just UD. Because that was a clip that bounced around the timeline last night into early this morning. But there was an extended clip. And that's why you got to wait sometimes before you just jump out the window start talking about stuff. Yes, everyone focused on UD and Jimmy. But did you see Spo? Spo on the extended clip, the maxi single, if you will, if you're from that era. Spo was out here running down Jimmy. Running down Jimmy. Threw a clipboard at him. Threw a clipboard at him. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them make you think like Jawan Howard threw that punch when it was really just a mush. Don't let them trick you into thinking that Spo just lost his control and maybe was just tossing the clipboard just aimlessly. Nah, dogs. I saw the Maxi single clip. He threw that clipboard at Jimmy. <laughs> How you throwing clipboards? Y'all supposed to be the number one seed? Y'all supposed to have everybody shook? Heat culture, right? Heat culture. We take nobodies and turn them into heroes. We take your zeros and turn them into heroes. Ain't that heat culture? (laughs) Jimmy wanted to work so hard, he went down to Miami, trimmed the fat, all that fat conditioning, Cal Lowry's still out there trying to figure it out. They still don't know what the hell happened to Duncan Robinson from the bubble. (laughs) Still waiting on Bam to take a step. They think Tali Hero, who's been cooking off the benches now a bona fide piece, and they're not mad about the beard anymore. <laughs> and Spell out here, throwing clipboards at Jimmy Bucket. Oh man, you love to see it. You love to see it. Kyrie is going to be the poster child of whatever becomes of this net season because of his vaccination stance. Because of his, he's saying he's not he's saying he's not anti-vax. He just whatever wants more information, and he's unsure and not trustworthy, and yada yada yada. Be that as it may, he's going to become the face of whatever becomes of the Nets season, and he's going to become the face of anti-vax here in the tri-state area, specifically New York. But you know who's going to be more impactful if the Nets are able to steal off a chip? You know who's going to be more important than Kyrie, more important than Kevin Durant, more important than even Ben Simmons if they can get his back right, more important than Kia Jumper, LaMarcus Aldridge, to Seth Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, go down the roster, whoever. Steve Nash, Stoudemire on the bench, ownership up top. More important than any of them, the one who should be first on the float rolling down Atlantic Avenue if the Nets are able to get a chip. It should not be anyone in the Brooklyn Nets front office, organization, not even Hove. It shouldn't be any of them First on the float. The first person on that float with the Larry O'B high in his strong, muscular hands. Aaron Judge. <laughs> Aaron Judge got it done, man. Aaron Judge out here. Aaron Judge out here stumbling, fumbling, bumbling, not knowing how to answer the are you vaccinated question. Made everyone clearly aware that he is unvaxxed. So Aaron Judge is out here unvaxxed, and that was going to be a threat for him to miss time with the New York Yankees. But the Yankees ain't stupid, bruh. They hollered at your mans, Adams, and they got it done. So now the, the byproduct of that is that Kyrie will now be able to hoop because the people that really matter in New York don't care about basketball, not when it comes to the money. And that was something that was told years ago by someone who thinks that they have money. He said, New Yorkers don't care about basketball. And at the time, it bothered me because I know my part of New York, my part of New York, the minority part of New York, cares a great deal about basketball. But the affluent, high society, does not. And that's all that, par- that person cared about, and that's who they identify with. So when he made that statement to me, that told me what type of time he was on, and it also let me know there must be a lot of people who agree with him. So yes Exhibit B Your Honor Of New York Does not care about basketball It took Aaron Judge A roided up My bad A HGA mm, Shit My bad A person of high Physical attributes In Aaron Judge It took him potentially missing 81 games of a baseball season, which brings in a lot of revenue to the city, and obviously the Yankees are a source of pride in the tri-state area. It took him potentially missing half their games for Mayor Adams, who if you look at the campaign funds that have been secretly laid down over the past year or so, strangely tie back to the... uh, yeah, let's just move on. Let's just move on. So the Yankees will be more responsible. Aaron Judge specifically will be more responsible to a Brooklyn Nets championship than Kung Fu Kyrie, Kai Irving, than Slim Reaper KD and Ben Simmons and whoever else in the Brooklyn Nets organization. Funny to your boy that it took baseball to bring Kyrie back. Kyrie, who's gonna make it look like he knew this all along and he had faith and he's gonna spend this as the universe looking out for him and yeah. Nah dogs, it's just people of affluence care more about baseball than they do about basketball. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's literally all it is. The money and the revenue that the Yankees are gonna bring into this city when they play, and more importantly, when they win and play deep into the playoffs, that's more important than the Brooklyn Nets winning a championship. Yep. And the whole narrative of, oh, well, if Kyrie was a Nick, this would be the same. Nope. Nope. Don't even try to trick that off. Don't even try. Because truth be told, MLB has got the lowest vaccination rates, and they fresh off a strike. They fresh off a strike, and they still coming back unvaxxed. And that sport is predominantly, hmm. Right. But Aaron Judge is half hmm right what now of the brooklyn nets how many of y'all placed a futures bet for them to win the chip how many of y'all placed a futures bet for them to come out the east at least because i mean those odds were pretty low to begin with but now i'm assuming they're even lower now like the money line was i think plus four some last week it's probably in the threes now because now that Kyrie can hoop, who, who's stopping them, dog? Seriously. Like, they got, what, eight, nine games left in the regular season here? And they have some games against some, like, top teams. They get, like they got the heat this weekend. Then they got Milwaukee next week. They got the Hawks, if you still think they're in the mix. They're playing better, but told y'all, fool's gold. And, again, they had another week second half of the schedule, so now they're hot again like last year, so people starting to drink that Kool-Aid. And they got, you know, they got the Cavs and the Pacers as well. So there's some teams here, not necessarily jockeying for a playoff position, but there are some games where if they can get some dubs against some of these teams, like, it could move them up. There's a chance that they could get out of the AFC that they currently sit in as I'm recording this. Like, they're not that far back. I mean, they're four games behind the Cavs. And they play the Cavs towards the very end. I think their next to last game is against the Cavs. So that game could have seeding implications. And if I'm running out here with KD and Kyrie against Cleveland, as great as they've been, my money's on Brooklyn. So, I mean, teams got to now finish hard in the East. You can't just coast. Toronto. Has made a surprising turnaround to me, anyway. Surprising. And again, this shows what happens when you have an actual good coach in Nick Nurse. Like, he can take that roster, even though they had, they gave Fred, Fred Van Vleet the bag, they got Siakam, and, you know, they got some pieces around. That's still not, I mean, that roster is not like, come on, son. They're eight games over 500. That either speaks to the East being as bad as I said it was coming into the season, or Nick Nurse is really that good. I think it's a combination of both, but we'll see. But Brooklyn could definitely leapfrog them. They're three games behind the Raptors, and they're four games behind the Cavs. And the Bulls keep slip-sliding away, like I told you they would. They're hanging on to five now. They went from one, they slid all the way down to five because they're fraudulent. And they're now 0-16, I think the record is. 0-16 against the top three teams in both the East and the West. So the Bulls are fraudulent, like I said they'd be. I don't know, man. I really don't know what to tell you because Brooklyn's going to be that damn good. And Steve Natch out here saying he's not afraid to drop Ben fresh off the bench in the playoffs. He's not afraid to bring him straight from the, you know, straight from his sabbatical to now rehabbing and get his conditioning up and now dealing with a back issue straight into the playoffs. And while Miami and, and the Heat and the Bucks and now the Celtics are on everyone's tails, they're hot like the Bucks, The Bucs and Celtics low-key could flip-flop Miami and Philly up out the one and two spot. You could have Milwaukee and Boston in the one and two spots. And low-key, that might be what's best for Miami and Philly. That might be what's best for them. March Madness has hit the league. March Madness has hit the NBA, and it's because dudes are just getting buckets out here crazy. Like, no one's playing defense. Everyone's playing all-star game quality defense. Whoever was at the all-star game in Cleveland has took it back to their regular teams, and no one's playing D. No one. No one's playing D at all. And if you look at just this month alone, you know, you got Brown with a 50-piece, with a Kyrie with a 50-piece, Kyrie with a 50 and a 60-piece. KD hit for 53. Tatum's had a bunch. He's had 54. Bronnen hit 56. And your man's cat, who I still think I can name 30 basketball players that are better than him, dropped 60. So that's where we're at with it. And then we can't forget about Sadiq Bay. <laughs> Sadiq Bay is out here getting buckets. And the narrative that was floating around is that, see, this is where I, this era Everyone is so much more talented, so much more fundamentally sound, so much more bigger, stronger, faster. You got to, got to, got to. Dog, do you really want to run down the list of people that have gone for 50 in the league? Like, you want to give me all the scoring in terms of because Cat went for 60, this means that this is the greatest era of basketball ever. This is the most fundamentally sound Bigger, stronger, faster era of basketball there's ever been. Sure, Cat is 6'11 and can shoot the lights out. Sure, that's a rarity. It's more common in this era than any other era ever. So overall, over the 75-plus years of the NBA, he is a rarity. He is an anomaly. He is an outlier. However, that does not mean that because that type of dude can go crazy and go for 60 and that a Sadiq Bay could put up a 50 piece that this era is greater than any other era. Do I need to run down the anomalies from other eras that have gone for 50? Let's start with Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer put up a 50 piece. All right. An accomplished player, not a star, but one night he went crazy and got a 50 piece. You want to know who else went for a 50-piece? Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson also went for a 50-piece. Cedric Sabalos also went for a 50-piece. Brandon Jennings, Jersey. Brandon Jennings, 50-piece. But again, I know. Bigger, stronger, faster. This is the best era because this is all my eyes have seen. Sure. Sure. Tony Delk. Tony Delk. You got to be of my era to know that name. Tony Delk went for 50 in the league. But no bigger, stronger, faster. This is the most fundamental era. Okay. Okay. Relax. Re-fucking-lax. These guys are in the league for a reason. They can get buckets. Okay? They can get buckets. Let's stop going crazy. The entire NFL offseason could be summed up by what I believe is the most dangerous phrase that could be uttered in all of sports. The most dangerous phrase in all of sports. The NFL offseason, it's been a lot of money being spent, a lot of trades, a lot of transactions, a lot of draft equity being waged, a lot of high-risk, high-reward deals being put out there. But to me, it just all is summed up by the most dangerous phrase in all of sports. Your team is just a quarterback away. Fans, media, players, front offices, owners, have believed that lie for over a century. The league that originally outlawed the forward pass has done a complete 180. Your team, your favorite team, your well-being, your loyalty, your social standing online and IRL, it's tied to who plays quarterback on the team that you support. You're either given props or ridiculed, depending on your answer. Or, in the rare case of being a Detroit Lions fan, indifference. But if you can close your eyes and just imagine how good, how good it feels to be a quarterback away. So close, yet so far. So close that you're a quarterback away from what exactly? Are you a quarterback away from a chip, a deep playoff run, a playoff berth, a winning record, being 500, finding relevancy, or just not being a laughing stock? The Rams decided they were a quarterback away and not even a good quarterback away, just a quarterback away. Anyone not named Jared Goff away and Matt Stafford was just enough to get them a Lombardi. The Broncos, Dolphins, Broncos, Raiders, and Colts have all decided that they, too, are a quarterback away. Three of those five brought in new quarterbacks. The other two are bringing in more talent to help them figure out if they are still a quarterback away. And I guess we have to go down to Miami. And the Miami Dolphins franchise in my youth growing up, was one of those ones. It was one of those linchpin landmark franchises. It was on the level of the Steelers. It was on the level of the Cowboys. It was one of those. They had the history. They had the perfect season. They had the championships with Shula. They had Marino. It was a thing. You you knew the Miami Dolphins growing up whether you were in Miami or not, they were a national team. I grew up with people up here in New York that were Dolphins fans. I'm telling you, it was like that. Cowboys, Steelers, if you weren't a Giants or Jets fans growing up in the Tri-State, you were either a Cowboys fan, a Steelers fan, or a Dolphins fans because they ran shit in the 70s, into the 80s. So that built a lot of their fan base. And still to this day, I did a game covering uh, Titans Dolphins in Tennessee. And the Dolphins fans were out there. And they were older than me. (laughs) They were older than me and they were still out there repping, walking around still in 2022 with Marino jerseys. So the Dolphins were one of those. And then it went all to shit and they've been mismanaged whether it was ownership, coaching, front office, over the, last, over the last, let's say, 20 years, minimum. They've been mismanaged. It's all gone down the drain. They've become one of those languishing laughing stock organizations. They've had chances. They've tried to rebuild on the fly. They've also tried to tank Fatua. They've done it all to try to fix it, and none of it has worked. But now... Fresh off an offseason that includes a lawsuit, a potential class action lawsuit brought to them by now former head coach and current Pittsburgh Steeler defensive assistant, uh, whatever, linebackers coach, and Brian Flores. Fresh off that. Fresh off flirting with Deshaun Watson. Fresh off flirting with Harbaugh over there in Michigan and settling on logic to be their head coach they have decided to go all in on finding out if they're a quarterback away. They gave up a bunch of draft picks, draft collateral, five picks in total. Tua now has Devontae Parker, Waddle, and Tyreek Hill to go along with Gusecki. If you can't move the ball down the field with chunk plays with that, then yes, the Dolphins are still a quarterback away. Because obviously, two ain't it. And this is what you do with the young QB. You can either lead them to the slaughter and see if they're feast or famine. Or you can build pieces around them and see if they can lead that way. They're either going to lead as individuals or lead a group. This is what they have shown you. Lamar Jackson has done it with next to nothing in Baltimore. Whereas you have guys like Burrow, Jay Herbo that have come in to either really good situations or in Jay Herbo's case, extremely good situations With you got talent all over the place. You've got running backs, you've got receivers, you've got it all out there with the Chargers. Burrow at least had a really good running back and a couple of good receivers and then they go drafts his mans the next year in chase and then boom, they're in the Super Bowl. You can do it that way. That's my preferred way. But the Ravens are refusing, refusing to do it with Lamar Jackson. And I will not sit here and criticize Lamar Jackson until I see him with some talent around him. Because if you can be the MVP of the league without a lot of talent around you, good Lord, what can you do when you do have talent around you? If Tua can't figure this out, now what? You're paying Tyreek Hill, on average, to be the highest paid receiver in the league. Devontae Parker's still there. Waddle showed you some signs, especially late in the year, when him and Tua seemed to have that really good connection late in the year. Now what, though, if it doesn't work? Now you know, I need a quarterback. So you're answering the question without having to go out there and risk it all for a quarterback. That job was already done by a prior regime. Now you inherit Tua and you're like, all right, well, I need to see if he's the guy. So let's do all that we can to surround him with the talent. And then if he still sinks instead of swimming, then we know we got to get him the fuck up out of here. If I can turn Tyreek Hill into a Debo Samuels, like how Logic did with Samuels and San Fran, then I, right, we can make this work. If Tua could be slightly better than Jimmy G, maybe the Dolphins are for real. Because if Jimmy G and that offense can get that team deep into the playoffs, then if two was supposed to be as good or as close to as good as everyone said he was a couple of years ago, then he should be able to take the Dolphins deep as well. Pause. What are you expecting in Miami now? Are they legit? Are they really a quarterback away? The defense was good last year, but they were better the year before. They took a step back this year slightly, but they were still a solid defense. Now with Flores gone, What's that defense going to look like? They've made some improvements to the offensive line, which has been a bugaboo in Miami for about uh, 20 years. (laughs) But the problem is they got a left-handed quarterback and they invested all their money into a left tackle. Right. If Devontae Adams doesn't work out in Vegas, does that mean the Raiders are still a quarterback away? Because as solid as Derek Carr has been, I think... He's kind of flown under the radar. I'm not saying he's elite. I just don't know how many quarterbacks you can clearly say are better than him. He might be top 10. He might be. Again, I'm not here to say he is. I'm just saying, can you really name 10 more quarterbacks that are better right now? Not legacy shit. Just right now, you would rather have 10 more quarterbacks than Derek Carr. You could name 10 dudes. If his man's from Fresno State, Devontae Adams, doesn't work out with Darren Waller, with Jacobs in the backfield, with Renfro, are the Raiders a quarterback away? And that's why that question is so dangerous because, you know, clearly the Colts think they're a quarterback away. They thought they were a quarterback away when they got Phillip Rivers fresh off Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. They realize he was old and washed up. He walked off into the sunset following Andrew Luck. Then they go get a broken Carson Wentz, and they try to figure it out, still taking their quarterback away. And they tricked it off last game of the season against Urban Meyer, of all people. Couldn't get it done. And now they're going to go ahead and try it again, roll the dice again a third straight offseason by taking another quarterback that's washed up Maybe not as washed as Rivers was, but make no mistake about it, Matt Ryan is washed, and the Colts are out here rolling the dice again, thinking that they are a quarterback away. And if you're a Colts fan, do you feel any more confident right now than you did last year? Matt Ryan's a better name than Carson Wentz. He's a better quarterback right now than Carson Wentz. But is he that much better than Carson Wentz that now you feel like, oh, we can compete for a chip? You couldn't beat the Jaguars when it mattered. You couldn't beat a broken team that was in the middle of a mutiny or towards the end of a mutiny on its own coaching staff. You couldn't beat them in a game you had to have. That's not just Carson Wentz. That's on the entire damn team. You think that team is a Matt Ryan away from getting a Lombardi? And that's why having that statement, you're just a quarterback away, is so dangerous. Because the Colts are fooling themselves into thinking they're just a quarterback away. No, you're a great quarterback away. And guess what? Matt Ryan is not a great quarterback. He wasn't at his apex, and he's damn sure not when he's washed here at the end. So the Colts are fooling themselves and their fan base into thinking that they're just a quarterback away. Look what it took for Matt Stafford to be on a team that was actually a quarterback away. Arguably the best receiver in football. And Cooper Cup, arguably a top five, top ten receiver in Odell Beckham. An alleged genius head coach in McVay. Arguably the best player in the whole damn league on defense in Aaron Donald. And Von Miller. And Jalen Ramsey. And Leonard Floyd. We could keep going. Look at all that it took just for Matt Stafford to be able to get a Lombardi. The Colts don't have that. And I can argue that Stafford and Ryan are pretty much at the same level right now. So if it took all of that for Matt Stafford to get a Lombardi, what makes the Colts think that they're on the same level as the Rams from a talent perspective? What path do they need to carve their way to a Lombardi? They're somehow under the impression that they're just a Matt Ryan away from being in the mix. And of course, we got to get to the Browns being a quarterback away. Are the Browns actually a quarterback away? Are they a Deshaun Watson away from being what exactly? Playoff team? I mean, shit, they made the playoffs with Baker. Took a lot of help for him to get there. But I mean, it happened. Now that they're going to have Deshaun Watson, whether it's this upcoming season or the season after that, they're going to have him very soon. Are the Browns with Nick Chubb, Njoku, Amari Cooper, whoever else they get, maybe Landry comes back, whoever else they're able to convince to come to Cleveland, are they now in the mix? Have they solved the problem? Was the biggest bugaboo for that team actually the quarterback? Now, the quarterback was the biggest problem. I don't think that was the biggest deterrent from them winning a chip. I just don't think they have enough talent. I just don't see it. Talent-wise, I just don't see it. Chubb and Hunt in the backfield, I get it. Beckham gone. Landry gone, maybe. Maybe he doubles back. Maybe he spins the block. But Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, that's a good start. Joku, okay, we'll figure out if they're a tight end away now that he has an actual good quarterback. But outside of that, on defense, I mean, they got two dudes. They got two dudes on defense, two dudes that I trust anyway. I'm sure they've got some young pieces that they believe highly in. But, I mean, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I believe it. So were the Browns a quarterback away? And a quarterback away from what? That's always the question. You're a quarterback away from being relevant. Because Odell brought a lot of sizzle, a lot of fanfare, a lot of superstar power to the Cleveland Browns. And it made them look like they were going to be a team that was on the rise, a team that was going to matter, a team that was going to get national TV game exposure. And then it just didn't work out because they had a short QB that they took at number one overall who couldn't find the guy that was open 70% of the time. And now that guy can't be gotten for anything. Nobody wants him. He demanded a trade, and nobody came to go get him. Matt Ryan low-key demanded a trade, and he the Colts were right there, ready and willing and waiting. And I put it out there on Twitter. As soon as all this stuff started happening, I said, yo, if I'm the Colts, I don't want Baker. I go try to get Andrew Luck back. The Colts allegedly didn't try to do that, but you know who did? The Washington football team. Washington football team went out here. They wanted no parts of that Heineke. They didn't want no parts of that. Nobody wants Baker. Not at that contract and not for anything substantial in this upcoming draft or next year's draft. How bad do you got to feel if you're Baker right now? I talked about this on Twitter Spaces. Uh, I'm going to try to try to get this up on the uh, RSS feed. Uh, try to get that as a little bonus pod episode where I talked live and direct uh, this past Friday night about the Deshaun Watson trade and the contract, which I focus more heavily on on the Twitter spaces, but like I think that's gonna be such a a watershed moment. I've been saying it everywhere I've been going. I've been, you know, I went on my man Greg Larner's show on ESPN radio, did my usual hour there every Wednesday, talked about the contract there, talked about it on Twitter spaces for almost an hour, and I was able to chop it up with some of y'all and yeah, man, this contract could mean a lot. Yeah, I'm going to keep banging his drum because I saw, I saw it on Twitter last night. They're saying Lamar, again, with no agent, just allegedly his mama, and I know he's, he's got a lawyer, he's asking for $200 million guaranteed. And I just don't know how any of that makes sense. I just don't know why Lamar is putting himself to be lesser than Deshaun Watson, especially after what just happened. There is no way in hell I'm positioning myself to make less than Deshaun Watson if I'm the the type of accomplished quarterback that Lamar Jackson is. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Am I going to see Deshaun Watson fresh off taking a year off, fresh off 22-plus cases of alleged sexual misconduct from IG masseuse therapist, massage therapist? There's no way. He gets 230 guaranteed, and I'm asking for 200 guaranteed. So I don't know how legit that is, but I'd add another 100 to that. I'm going in there and I'm asking for 300. I've been banging that drum. I'll settle for 250 or 275, but I am asking for 300. I am asking for 300. There is no no the conversation doesn't start unless I'm getting 300. Now you can talk me down to 250. But there's no way I'm letting the guy that I'm more accomplished than Make more money than me. That's negotiating one-on-one. Deshaun Watson with this contract has set a new bar. Josh Allen got that extension a year too early. He should have waited. Can you imagine what the Bills would have to pay if they didn't get that extension with Josh Allen? And he looks the part. They wouldn't even blink an eye if he said 300 That Ravens organization in front office, the same one that asked the world to pray for them just for considering bringing in Colin Kaepernick for a tryout. That organization. Yeah, they're going to look away at Lamar when he goes in there and says, I want 300. The Browns have to think that they're a quarterback away because when you look at that division with the two-time rapist Ben Roethlisberger finally walking away and replacing him with Mitchell Trubisky, which, I mean. <laughs> and then you have, you know, Bengals fresh off a Super Bowl run. And now the Ravens yet another offseason, unless they do something big here in the draft. Another offseason of not giving Lamar Jackson the type of help I feel he needs, at least not again another year without a bona fide number one wide receiver. Maybe the Browns feel that they can sneak off and compete with the Bengals for dominance in that division. Because the Ravens are always going to be held back if they don't give Lamar help. He's taking you as far as he could by himself. Just give the man some help and let me see. You're going to tell me he's a running back, playing quarterback? All right, give... Like, they should have been the ones going after Tyreek Hill. You're telling me the Jets and the Dolphins had more foresight than the Ravens? The Jets and the Dolphins, who both have young QBs that they're trying to figure out if they're a quarterback away from being a quarterback away. Both had the acumen to be like, yo, dogs, Tyreek Hill's available. The Chiefs win and got Juju Smith-Schuster. All right, that might be a signal that they don't want to pay Tyreek. Let's go hit them up and see what's good. The Ravens couldn't do that. Or maybe the Ravens did do that, but the Chiefs didn't want to trade them to trade Tyreek Hill to a potential contender. Maybe that has something to do with it. I will let that slide if that's the case. Because sometimes even if the Ravens had the better package, the fact that you might have to actually face Tyreek Hill and Lamar Jackson, the Chiefs are like, nah, dog, we, 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 we're not going to do that. If we're going to give of the Mans, we're going to put him somewhere where we, where we feel we're not going to see him for a few years. We're not going to see him in a relevant playoff game for a few years. So they shipped his ass. They were either going to ship his ass to the Jets or the Dolphins. So even the Chiefs feel, yeah, we're not going to see him. He, that, that move's not going to come bite us in the ass within the next year or so maybe three years because if it ain't Tua this year, maybe they, get, they go get somebody who's better than Tua It makes that happen. So the Ravens, yet again, unless something happens between now and the draft or maybe on draft day, haven't given Lamar the help he needs. So that division is really just the Bengals. The Bengals have it figured out. They have the quarterback. They're not a quarterback away. And they have talent around that quarterback for the foreseeable future. If you're the Browns, you have to get in that mix. The Steelers, you would think, will take a step back. Maybe this is finally the year Mike Tomlin gets a losing record. Maybe. Maybe. So with the Ravens continuing to hamstring themselves and the Steelers potentially taking a step back, if you're the Browns, yeah, you got to be in the mix. Cincinnati is now potentially going to be the class of that division for the foreseeable future. You got to be in the mix. And how do you do that? You go pay 230 mil to a QB that's fresh off a year off that has 22 plus silver suitcases on the horizon. And if you're Mahomes, what does this mean? Is Juju a competent replacement for Tyreek Hill? Are they going to try to use him in the same way? Because now this just puts more attention on Kelsey, right? Because before, teams have allegedly figured out the Chiefs and just playing two deep safeties, right? Just don't have Hill take the top off your defense, so just play play two deep, play three deep. Now, with no real threat of that, in my opinion anyway, now you're just locking on Kelsey, right? So is this move, it's a Tyreek Hill trade, a predicated move to another move I hope the chiefs really don't think they can just plug in Juju Smith-Schuster and think that's going to be a Tyreek Hill replacement I really hope they're going to use some of this draft collateral that they got in this trade and try to figure something out because this ain't it as great as Mahomes is half a billion in a contract 70% of it funny money you know fresh off a honeymoon I don't know how I would feel if I was Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure he was consulted. I'm sure the organization organization let him know, yo, dogs, your man wants to be paid the highest paid receiver in the league. We can't do that. Even though they can, and I think that's something that's that's largely gone unnoticed here, is that even though the NFL has a, quote, hard salary cap, it's really not. It's really not. like Teams have been able to finagle this system for years. Like They've got all these nerds from MIT and these organizations for a reason. They're capologists for a reason. They know how to circumvent the hard cap, the soft cap, the cap hit. They know all this shit backwards and forwards. They can maneuver money around and make it work if they really want to. They just didn't want to make it work with Tyreek Hill. The Green Bay Packers didn't want to make it work with Devontae Adams. Even though now you're hearing that him that Adams and Carr have been planning on this for a minute. Sure, that may have been the case, but if they would offer him the same bread or even more bread than what he eventually got from the Raiders, they could have made that happen. So never let these teams fool you into thinking that, oh, the team just don't got it. They can make it happen. It's literally their job to make it happen. And they've made it happen before when they had to. It's just when they choose not to, oh, they couldn't make it happen. You know what it is. Fair use. Fair use. Appreciate y'all for listening. Um, Going to be popping up on Twitter spaces again very soon. Um, like the format. Like the fact that it sits up there for about a month so people could replay it and hop on it if they missed it live. Uh, Going to be doing more of those. Trying to utilize the platform more and more as we get into the NBA playoffs here and stuff during the draft and all this type of stuff. So, I uh, appreciate y'all always staying locked in, staying active, and chiming in when you do. Appreciate the feedback, as always. Um, you know why I'm playing this music. If you know, you know. If you don't, it's all good. It's over your head. Um, but real ones know. Real ones know. So for the D Podcast, I'm Sam Duzamweight Jr. I'm out. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs>